Jonathan, welcome from me too. My name is Richard, the minister at the church, and a special welcome if you are here as a guest today. As Jonathan said, it's a little bit different this morning with the service, um, but we're glad you're with us, and there will be refreshments served at the end of the morning as well, um, special celebration refreshments through there. Just to highlight one thing, um, other news is on the back of your service sheet, so do just take that and read that, but you'll see one of the items there is this Wednesday is our very important main monthly prayer gathering, prayer focus, and it's a great chance as we begin another month, to begin May together, to pray for our vision, which you're going to hear a bit more about this morning, really um, drill down and pray for that on Wednesday together. We're going to be looking at the, the book that our small groups are looking at this term, and also on Sunday evenings in our sermons, the book of Titus, which is going to think going to be fascinating, encouraging, very helpful on our vision as well. Uh, and we're going to pray, particularly a couple of developments amongst our sort of younger member ministries, youth and 20s and 30s. And we're going to be hearing from and praying for one of our mission partners, Penny Bakewell, as well this week. So Wednesday, 7.30, uh, just be here if you're a member of Holy Trinity, and we'll have, I'm sure, an exciting, encouraging and in the sense that prayer is powerful, powerful evening of prayer together. Let's have our reading now, shall we? And shall I introduce that, Jonathan? Lovely. Alison's going to read for us. Grab the Bibles there in your seats underneath where you're sitting there. Turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Alison will introduce that and read it for us. Yes, so the reading is from uh, Matthew chapter 28, beginning to read at verse 16, and that can be found on page 1001 of the Church Bibles in front of you. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Alison. Let's pray, shall we, briefly, as we look at God's word together this morning. So, Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead at Easter, we pray that by your spirit, in your risen presence, we may hear you speaking and respond Gladly, joyfully, with your help as your followers. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the question this morning is how we can help each other or how we can help me to follow Jesus, which is just a simpler way of talking about being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And as we ask that question this morning, um, I found in my experience, and I can think of a number of individuals, that God uses people to help me follow Jesus. And they're effective, they've been affected in my case, not really because they have all the answers particularly, but simply because Jesus is at work through them by his risen presence, because he's alive and at work in them. 
And I, th- I suspect if you follow Jesus that you would say the same thing. The people that have helped you would be the same. Now this passage in Matthew's Gospel, which ends the Gospel, it follows on from the Easter resurrection story we looked at last Sunday. Jesus is helping his followers here, his first disciples, to know how to help others, to find him and to follow him, how to make disciples, as he puts it. He's risen from the dead Easter morning. He's appeared a number of times. And here, not very long before he ascends to heaven, he instructs his disciples to go and continue his work. It's the end of the gospel here, isn't it? The last bit of Matthew. But it really feels like the beginning of another chapter, doesn't it? He's passing the baton on to them. And the lesson there is simply the lesson this morning, that meeting the risen Jesus is what makes us, the disciples, effective in our task. It's meeting the risen Jesus. That's where it all starts and continues. So three very quick points to make, um, just to unpack that. Here's the first one. The first thing, that meeting the risen Jesus leads us to worship. Has to start with worship. Just in those verses, there were two huge things that Matthew is emphasizing about who Jesus is. The first is that Jesus is divine, his divinity. Jesus was divine, son of God, before the resurrection, before the incarnation, before he was born at Bethlehem. But somehow in resurrection, his divinity is now unmistakable. Because partly, dead men don't just rise. God has raised the Son of God from death. Unmistakable because the risen Jesus has made his glorious presence. A physical but glorious resurrection body, visible to his disciples. Unmistakable now that he's the Son of God. And so when the disciples meet Jesus, if you look at verse 17, it says simply that they worship him. Literally, they fall at his feet. Because he's the son of God. He's God in human form before them. Okay, some doubted. That's just the human thing that some of us take longer to grasp. And this was an extraordinary new discovery for them that he was going to come back from the dead. But they worship the son of God. He's divine. He's also king. His kingship's the other big theme here. He says, doesn't he, all authority... On heaven, in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. He's talking about the very reign of God over the world, and not only the world, but all creation in heaven and on earth. And now it's in his hands. He's the king of kings, lord of lords. There's not a square inch of creation over which Christ is not lord, as someone once said. Nor is there a human heart which will not at least one day bow the knee before the King of Kings. So that's the point, that meeting the risen Christ will lead us to worship because we see who he is in his glory. And what a privilege for any of us, if you are a Christian this morning, to know the glory of the risen Christ, to have seen that, to have begun to take it in and to worship him. How precious to... Praise him each day for who he is. And to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. 
to his worthiness, to his glory. Worship. Second thing, when the disciples and when we meet the risen Christ, it leads us to obedience. Well, you can see the logic there in verse 19, what Jesus says. All authority has been given to me, therefore, logic, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and teaching them to, see the next word, obey everything I've commanded. Obedience. You see, he's made disciples in his own incarnate life, but now post-resurrection, returning to heaven, he delegates that task of calling people to follow him, making disciples, to his disciples. As it were, he, he passes the ball. Had to get some football in here somewhere this morning, didn't we, in Norwich? He passes the ball, and it's their job now to run with it. And he says it's for all nations. The wall that separated God's people from the world has now been pulled down. Make disciples of all peoples, he says. Don't stay in Galilee. If you read the book of Acts, they obey this. They, deliberately or not, are driven out to the world with the good news. But how? How are they to do this? Go and make disciples of all nations. How? Well, more on that later in the morning. A bit more practical. But the word disciple, it simply means someone that's a follower, a learner of the master, Jesus. The disciples are to announce that his kingdom is coming and to call people to start following him. That is all it involves in one level, so simple. And too many churches focus on counting how many activities we have, how many groups we run, how many programs, when all that really matters, good as those things can be, all that really matters is making disciples. All of us, individually, and as a church. We're to make disciples, call others to follow Jesus in every way we can, wherever we can. Now, he mentions baptizing and teaching, doesn't he? Those two things, they are not the only way to make disciples. He doesn't mean that, but they do always accompany making disciples. Churches baptize, churches teach. Baptism, you see, it pictures the new birth that becoming a disciple of Jesus means. Baptism pictures the new birth of discipleship. And teaching explains what being a disciple looks like. This is how to obey him. So we obey by making disciples. And as people become followers of Jesus, and that's some of us here quite recently perhaps, or perhaps even not yet, as we become disciples, we begin to obey We're baptized, and we listen to the teaching. So, how are you doing, disciple, this morning? How am I doing obeying the risen Christ? His teaching, you see, it may be 2,000 years old, but it's been neither superseded nor outmoded by anything else. How are you doing obeying it? In which part of Christian life are you most growing at the moment? That's encouraging. 
And in which part of the Christian life are you most struggling to do what you know pleases him? Meeting the risen Christ leads to obedience as well as worship. Our vision this year is very much about being a church of disciples who make disciples. That's all that Jesus is saying, isn't it? Obey me, that others may come to obey me, to follow me. So, second question, disciple, not just how are you doing, but who are you discipling? The command is to go and make disciples, not just to be disciples. Don Carson writes that a failure to make disciples is a failure to be a disciple. Those are very challenging words, aren't they? But he's right. I can't see how you or I can call ourselves a disciple of Christ if there's no one else that we are discipling in some way. Either helping them find Jesus or follow Jesus. Now, that may be at work, in the sports club, down your street, in your family. It may be encouraging someone just through a, a regular cup of coffee and spiritual conversation. It may be doing a one-to-one Bible study. It may be praying with them on the phone. It may be helping in a children's group. Praying for your, the five people you pray for, prayer's going to be at the heart of it, praying for the other people, isn't it? Whatever it is, that's not important. Disciples, though, are going to be busy making disciples wherever we see opportunity. So meeting the risen Christ, Easter makes all the difference because it leads us to worship, first of all. It leads to obedience. And then thirdly, it leads to confidence in Christ's mission. Confidence in his mission. I imagine halfway through verse 20, when Jesus says, go and do this, get on with it, they must feel very daunted, these disciples, overwhelmed with the task because... It's no small thing, is it, to be asked to fill the shoes of the Messiah? Even if there are 11 of you to do it. We're all frail, fallible human beings. We fail. We don't always convince people and so on. And life, in fact, is going to get not easier for the disciples after Easter, but more dangerous if you read the book of Acts. People won't always listen to the good news of Jesus. But we are forgetting one huge thing, and that is the risen presence of Jesus with his people. We're not doing this alone. Those precious words at the end of verse 20, go and make disciples, but then he says, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. With you always. He is talking about the gift of the Spirit. Though he is going to ascend to heaven by his Spirit, which he gives at Pentecost to all who believe, he is going to be present. The risen presence of Jesus is with his church. We as his people are united to the risen Christ. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Or as one conservation charity puts it, he is forever and for everyone. Forever, for everyone, the risen presence of Christ. That's our confidence. Not in ourselves, in the risen Christ and his presence. You see, people say, don't they, that 
that believe if only they could see the risen Christ in the way that the first disciples did after Easter. Well, in a sense, that's right. We can't do that physically today, but we can see the presence of the risen Christ, actually. It's here in his people. That's our confidence. As we encourage and comfort and urge and teach each other in the church community and love each other, the world around has seen nothing like that. That's the spirit of the risen Christ. This is how John Bunyan, he's the author of the famous bestseller, Pilgrim's Progress, describes in another book he wrote some women he encountered walking down the street one day. He was converted, Bunyan, from a very dramatic, wild, young adult life to being a follower of Christ and a great Christian writer. And as he walked along the street going to work that day, These people he met were part of how God brought him to faith. He says, I came where there were three or four poor women uh, sitting at a door in the sun, talking about the things of God. I drew near to hear what they were saying, for I was now a brisk talker myself in the ways of religion. But I understood not, for they were far above my reach. Their talk was about a new birth, the work of God in their hearts, how God had visited their souls with his love in the Lord Jesus, with what words they had been comforted, refreshed, and supported against temptation. They spoke as if joy did make them speak. They spoke with such appearance of grace in all they said that they were to me as if they had found a new world. I left them and went about my employment again, but their talk went with me, for I was greatly affected. Because by them, I knew I lacked the signs of a godly man and was convinced of the happy condition of him who was such a one. Sharing God's word and work in our lives the way those women were doing, it it just came naturally to them. The risen Christ in them. And that's been part, that simple sharing of, of God's plan for how he makes disciples through us for centuries. See, it wasn't just sermons, was it, that converted John Bunyan. It was the normal Christians who knew the risen presence of Christ. That risen presence leads to confidence as well as obedience and worship. That he will build his church through us. He will build his kingdom. He will glorify his name. He will make disciples. Because yes, You and I, we are too weak, aren't we, to fulfill this task, to carry that ball over the line. But his risen presence among us means that he brings life to the dead, hope to the fearful, direction to the lost, and he secures redemption for all that currently live in the dark paths of sin. We'll think more about how we can be part of that later in the morning. But let's pray now. Then I'll hand back to Jonathan. So, Lord, we thank you for your risen presence. May each of us encounter you, risen from the dead today, and fall in worship, and offer ourselves in obedience, and go from here in confidence. For the sake of your kingdom and your glorious name. Amen.